Hey queens, we're back. I know it's been a while since we've last kikied, but I'm here now. And that's all that matters. Um, I know I've said in the past that movies are too long for me. However, for today's podcast, <laughs> I am talking about my top 10 comfort movies. Yeah, you heard me correctly. Basically, this is a definitive list of A, the movies that I will always watch if they're on telly, even though I don't really like telly, and B, the movies that I fall asleep to. Because guess who can't fall asleep in silence anymore? If you guess me, you're dead right. I have to fall asleep to like a movie or a YouTube video or something now. I will say, the I have 10, right? The bottom five are movies that like used to be my comfort films and then the top five are like my current ones shall we say because there's a couple of movies on it that I watched that I have watched like six or seven times I've watched loads of times but I haven't watched them in a while but they're still it's still a list of 10 films that I will always watch because I was never really like coming in at number 10 is one that I watched loads when I was you know like okay let's admit it all of us went through a phase where we loved movies from the 80s yeah 80s and 90s shall we say and we were like oh my god I was born in the wrong era you know when everyone rediscovered Footloose even though it's not Footloose um it's Heathers that movie with Renona Ryder Renona when what the fuck did I just say Renona Ryder and Christian Slater one of the most attractive men on the planet back in the day but not so much now. Unfortunately, he has not turned into a Dilf. I'm sorry to say. But um, I watched Heathers when I was going through my phase where I was watching all those 80s movies. I fell the fuck in love with it because I still love Winona Ryder. Um, it's on YouTube, actually, the movie is. Well, it was back in the day anyway, so I watched it loads on YouTube. I'm fairly sure I might have it on DVD because I also went through a phase where I wanted to have stuff on DVD. Like, I don't think we even have a DVD player in the fucking house anymore. <laughs> Everyone just watches stuff online. And so did I. I was one of those people. But I was still like, I want it on DVD. Like, why? Why? But, and like, it's definitely a, like, it's weird. It's definitely a weird movie. And like, they kill people. But like, in the 80s movie, killing people away. <laughs> like, it's definitely still... A comforting film I don't know like I was just able to stick it on quote it the whole shebang I think I like reposted stills from it on tumblr that kind of thing it's great I would recommend um Christian Slater reminds me of in the movie like he reminds me of your man from the breakfast club the bad boy even though he's more like a bad boy with actual psychotic and psychopathic tendencies because like he wants to kill people and then Winona Ryder discovers you know that he's crazy but she's after falling in love with him but he's still crazy I won't spoil it in case you want to watch it even though it's probably been out for about 30 years um but I would recommend it's a great time it's like what can I say without saying too much I suppose I have already said stuff like they end up killing a couple of people Winona Ryder's name in it is Veronica, um, but the group of Heathers, these three girls called Heather, um, 
want her to be one of them. And that's why it's called Heathers. And they kill one of the Heathers. Am I correct? Yes. And do they kill other people? I think so. I can't really remember because I haven't watched it in ages. And even though it's literally killing people and stuff and like Christian Slater breaking into Winona Ryder's room, it's great. <laughs> it's 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 just comforting and a little bit funny. Um, if you've ever heard the line from a movie, um, fuck me gently with a chainsaw, I think that's the line. Yeah, that's from Heather's. And so is, did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? I think it's brain tumor. Oh my God, I should have these written down, but I don't. But there are a couple of iconic lines from that movie. And I did watch it loads, haven't watched it in a while. I might go back to it. Coming in at number nine is, I sound like you're one from Mo Watch Mojo when I say coming in at, welcome to Watch Mojo. Oh, I hope this doesn't get deleted. Please don't copyright claim me. But anyway, number nine, bit of a bit of a turn, bit different from Heather's is Tangled. <laughs> that Disney movie about Rapunzel. Because let's face it, it's a fantastic fucking film. It's so good. And I will write this on my fucking grave. I will die on this hill. It's better than Frozen. Tangled deserved the reception that Frozen got. It's fucking better. Now, listen, Frozen is grand. It's great, whatever. But Tangled has my heart. It's fab. The music is great. We have to love Flynn Rider. Even Rapunzel herself is a bit of a bad bitch, even though she's been stuck in this tower. She still ties him up and hits him with a saucepan. She can do these things. No, it was a frying pan. Never mind. She's a bit of a bad bitch. She can take care of herself, even though at what age was she? 16, 17 in it? It took her that long to put her feet on grass. But she still knew how to handle herself. Um, It's just, it's so lovely. It's just such a lovely film. I will say it's a little bit stressful because you can tell that like the mother is following them and like, oh, it it's a bit tense and it stresses me out a bit watching it. But the fucking scene where they're in the boat and the lanterns are flying in the sky, holy bit of Jesus. It's fab. It's absolutely fab. Even mother, what's her name in it? Gothel? Even she's a fucking deadly character and has really good songs. You know that mother knows best one? Oh, so good. So fucking good. But I see this on TikTok all the time. That's how, actually how I thought of Tangled because I've seen TikToks about it. Flynn didn't have to cut her hair that short. He didn't. didn't. Flynn Ryder, or should I say Eugene Fitzherbert, should not have cut her fucking hair that short. He didn't need to. She still looks great, but it could have been a bob. At least. At least a bob. And it's so short. But she's still stunning and beautiful and gorgeous. Because, you know, she's fucking Rapunzel. I, oh... That is, lad, that is such a good movie. It's so goddamn good. Flynn, perfect love interest. Bit sarcastic, bit cynical. Has a sad backstory. He's not just, you know, fucking Eric from Ariel or Prince Charming. They skid his nose. They give him weird noses on his wanted posters. It's great. 
Oh my god, I love that film. <laughs> yeah, I am 22 and I love Tangled. What the fuck about it, okay? What about it? Number eight is another animated movie. Um, Because I, you know, I'm a Halloween bitch at heart, as I think I've probably said. My birthday is day before Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. Uh, number eight is The Corpse Bride. Who, who doesn't adore that movie in the depths of their heart? Tim Burton is a fucking genius. Well, maybe that's a bit of a stretch. I just like his movies. <laughs> I just like Corpse Ride. I do. And fucking Nightmare Before Christmas. Is that Tim Burton as well? Probably is. Um, but they are two of my absolute fave films. And The Corpse Ride, even though like it's definite for an animated movie for I don't know, is it a kid's movie? Could you call it that? It's animated anyway. It's definitely like eerie. Like even the colouring. You know the way like the first Twilight movie is all blue? Kind of gives me that. Like everything is like dark and dreary and almost black and white, but not really because obviously Miss Corpse Bride herself is blue. Um, it's it, Like it's a bit eerie. And when I watched it first as a child, I was like, oh, this is creepy. Like, but... It's just, it's so lovely. Like, it's such a lovely, lovely film. And even in the end, where he doesn't fucking, oh, it still riles me up that he doesn't marry the corpse bride and that he marries who? Victoria? Isn't that her name? Ugh, boring. Fuck's sake. But, I mean, what's the corpse bride's name in that? Is it Emily? Emily, Emily, I knew it. I fucking knew it. Emily is the corpse bride. Um, and like Emily is like, no, Victor, you have to marry Victoria. It's oh. and then she like turns into fucking four flies, flies away. Oh, it's such a beautiful movie, and I cry at every time. Yeah, I fucking do because it's incredible. It's just beautiful. Like it's such a beautiful film, and I know it's a bit weird to cry at your comfort films, but it's just great. And it's worth it. Like, I could definitely stick that on in the background, half watch it, half not. But could definitely also sit down and watch it in full. And sing along to some of the songs. It's just so good. Sorry, that's all I'm going to say about these movies. Like, I don't know what else to say. Uh, it's just great. Taking a turn away from the animated. And probably from the theme of the first three. Um, number seven is Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> Like, couldn't tell you why. <laughs> um, and that's, I know there's a couple of Mad Maxes. That's the most recent one, the one with Tom Hardy and like Charlize Theron. When that was nominated for an Oscar, I don't know whether it was like best movie or I think like best costume or something. I think it did get nominated for best film, which was very random because it's a fucking Mad Max film. But, oh... There is something about that fucking film. Inject it into my veins. Inject it into my veins. It's so good. Um, Like the majority of it is in the desert. And it's just like gold tones. And like sweaty Tom Hardy. I, I don't know what it is about that film. But it is fucking intoxicating. Like as I said. I am not a person to watch a film more than once. For the majority of the time. And at that time when it came out I really really wasn't like 
I'd watch a film once and that'd be it. Great. I've watched it. Give me something else. I watched that film, I think, I could have watched that film three times in one day at one stage. I've definitely watched it six or seven times. But, like, Jesus, I don't know what it is. It's just so good. And, yeah, it is tense because they're all chasing each other all the time. And, like, the villain, very creepy looking, very fucking weird. But it's just, oh, my God. It's fantastic. It's tense. It's gritty. It's, like, oh, my fucking God. It's just unbelievable. Your man, the villain in it, he has like wives. Does he? Is that what they are? Oh, lads, I can't explain it. I really can't. It's like post-apocalyptic, I think, very like in the future. What's that word for post-apocalyptic? And they always used to, they always used to describe the Hunger Games using this word. Hold on, I'm going to Google it. Dystopian, dystopian. That is the word I was trying to think of. It's um very dystopian, like after the fucking apocalypse, the world has gone to shit. People have like metal limbs um, and oh, like it's, it's hard to explain, but there are a couple of Mad Max films. So you've probably seen some of them or have to say they parody like the idea of Mad Max in a lot of like singular episodes of TV shows and stuff. Or like in other movies, like they're in the desert and these people have like massive souped up um, vehicles, I'm going to say. And there's like little lads on them like shooting at you and stuff. Oh, hook it into my fucking veins. I don't know what it is about that movie, but it gets me going. Like it's not a comfort film in the sense that like, oh, I could fall asleep to this. It's lovely. It's the fact that I will watch it 17 million fucking times. Oh, it's so good. It is so fucking good. And I think it, there's not a lot of dialogue in it, as far as I can remember. Not at all. And that was one of the things about it. Like, it was very strange. I think Tom Hardy, he's the main character, and I think he barely fucking says a word. Definitely says a couple of lines. But not that many at all. Which is mad, because, like, films get the acclaim. They earn the acclaim they do at like award ceremonies and stuff for like the incredible writing and the fantastic dialogue and the really good acting, whatever, blah, blah, blah. There's really, as far as I can remember, there's not a whole lot of talking in this movie, but it's so like action packed and like tense and just, and gripping, gripping. Oh, lads. I, oh my God, I forgot like how riled up that movie got me. But I like my adrenaline is actually pumping just thinking about that fucking film because it's so good. I actually, lads, I'm not messing with my goosebumps. I have goosebumps and it's not just because my room is cold. If, oh my God. I would, I was about to say if I could recommend any film on this list, I think that would be it. Because a lot of the other ones, you've probably, you've all seen them. Like you've definitely seen them. But Mad Max Fury Road. Incredible. Number six was... My favourite film for years. I mean years. I think I saw it first when I was maybe 14, 15, 16. Yeah, I think I was around that age. It was on telly one day when I was like, when I was in Wexford. We were on holidays and we were just sitting in a house in Wexford for a week. And it was on telly one of the nights. 
and I had heard of it because I knew it was such like a cult classic and people are obsessed with it so I watched it and I was entranced did I even say what the film is it's Fight Club (laughs) I forget what I forget if I said it or not but it's it's Fight Club um and lad I mean to say I'm I think I missed like the first half an hour of it so I went back and I bought it on DVD lol once again and I watched it I don't know how many times that is a film that if it's on I will always watch it because I think it's one of these films that really really got me into movies and media and just that world it's incredible I had heard well I had seen people like quoting it online and talking about it and stuff and I knew it was just like a bit of a classic and it rocked my shit it rocked my world it like and the twist the quote-unquote twist um I know lots of people said they saw it coming my teenage self did the fuck not I did not see that coming I was mind blown mind blown but then I was like oh my god it makes so much sense (laughs) That movie, lads. Fight Club, to be fair, I know it's it's one of these films that gets looped in with like The Wolf of Wall Street and what else? Wolf of Wall Street, Fight Club and something else. Like if a man says that's his favourite film, you have to be like, have you ever had a conversation with a woman? <laughs> like it's, it gets a bad rap because like toxic men love that movie, which yeah, the fuck they do because they all want to be Tyler Durden. But that is a fabulous movie. It's so fucking good. Um, it's a little bit tense. It's it has like its funny moments. The story's just really good. Oh, lads, Edward. It's that movie is what introduced me to Edward Norton. I fancied the fuck out of him for so long. Fancied the whole of him. Even though Brad Pitt was also in that movie, I was like Edward Norton. I want a piece of that. I have to say, Brad Pitt is very fanciable in it as well. It's definitely, like, weird. I will say there's not many films like it. It's very odd. Very different. It could obviously be more, like, odd and different and blah, blah, blah. Um, Because you're going to be like, here, it's only fucking Fight Club. But it rocked my world. It rocked my teenage world. And now I watch it and I'm like, yeah, it's good. But no, I do still love it. I can't lie. I do still love it. It's a classic. Uh, I won't say too much about it just in case people haven't watched it because genuinely the first time you watch it in full, you will be like, whoa, I'm going to put that out there and I'm going to say that now. It's fucking great. Also, Helena Bonham Carter is in it. That bitch owns my ass. Everything she's in, Jesus. For those of you who don't know, she's Bellatrix Lestrange in Harry Potter. She's a queen. She is a queen. Speaking of Harry Potter, number five is a Harry Potter movie, but specifically, right? I adore Harry Potter. Love the whole series. I would say the whole series is very comforting. Very comforting vibes, even though like fucking hell, Deadly Hallows is so stressful. Oh my God. Watching Deadly Hallows actually puts me on edge. It stresses me out. Same with Half-Blood Prince. Like I do be stressed watching them. But the whole the series as a whole, very comforting. Love that. Um, love the art, not the artiste. J.K. Rowling, Rowling, whatever the fuck her name is. Um, 
we don't stand. We don't like her. She's kind of an arsehole. Like I, even before all of the drama that surrounds her now and before we found out that she was like transphobic and just a horrible person, I remember years ago she tweeted that Ron was her least favourite character and she was going to kill Ron off in book five and have Harry and Hermione end up together. And the only reason that Ron survived is because the fans loved him so much. And from that moment on, I was like, you are a witch and not the good kind. You're a weapon. You're a weapon. Because I love Ron. I love Ron. Who doesn't? Who doesn't love Ron Weasley? Sorry. Who doesn't love the majority of the characters in Harry Potter? Even Draco. Even he has his little redemption moment in the end. You know he doesn't want to do all that bad shit. You know it was his his dad's influence on him. Anyway, we're getting off track. My specific favourite Harry Potter film, um, and it was definitely hard for me to choose, and my comfort Harry Potter movie, like top out of all them, is Prisoner of Azkaban. And I know you're all going to agree with me because it is the best. Well, is it the best one? My favourites are Prisoner of Azkaban, um, Half-Blood Prince and Deadly Hallows Part 2. Even though for the Deadly Hallows, they're in the woods for a lot of it. And like that doesn't really do it for me. I'm like, oh, no, nah. go back to school. Um, Prisoner of Azkaban is... It's fucking iconic. It's the one where Sirius comes in. We see Sir Gary Oldman as Sirius Black for the first time. He buys Harry the Nimbus 3000. Is it 3000? Lads, oh, I have the memory of someone with a bad memory. But anyway, Prisoner of Azkaban is definitely one of my comfort films. Well, obviously, because it's on this fucking list. But of all the Harry Potters, it's the most comforting to me, even though it's quite stressful because Lupin is in it as well. And lads have to love Lupin. Who doesn't? But when he turns into the werewolf and it's, you know, that night and they find out that Mr. Ratman was the rat all along and the fucking, the tree. Oh, lads. Oh, it's so stressful. But it's very, very good. Prisoner of Azkaban is so stressful when they're like at the Weeping Willow and Ron is like carried into the burrow, uh, well dragged, sorry, dragged. And then we find out that Peter Pettigrew's there and it's so stressful. But I've seen it before, so I know it's all going to be okay, you know, but it's not all going to be okay in a couple of films time. But you know what I mean. Um, Sirius and Lupin are two of my favourite Harry Potter characters. That's the first film they're in. Hence my adoration for that film. I just like as well the progression of the Harry Potter films where they get a little bit more serious and less childish. So they get like a bit more scary and like the threat of Voldemort becomes more real. Because like, yeah, the first one is great. It's lovely. But I just love when they get a bit more dark and serious and like stressful. Like fucking... Half-Blood Prince was so good. Half-Blood Prince was so good. That scene in the bathroom where Harry says, what is it, like, Sectum Sempra, but he doesn't know what it means, and he uses it on Draco, and Draco nearly fucking dies. Sorry. Incredible. It's so good. If you say that Harry Potter is for, like, nerds, or you don't like it or whatever, you just refused to have fun as a child. Sorry. There, I said it. And you refuse to make any changes to your adult life if you haven't seen them. So just fucking watch them. 
They're great. They're very comforting and they're just fab. I know I'm definitely not being like the most articulate about these or not describing them well, but you, none of you come to this podcast for fantastic content. <laughs> um, none of you come here for good explanations or facts. This we know. It's just me talking about movies I like. Oh God. But anyway, let's continue. Um, the top four now have to say are my proper, proper comfort films that I do genuinely watch all the time and that I would fall asleep to. I have been falling asleep to recently, as in literally last night and the night before and several before that. This one. This one was my like mid-lockdown comfort film. I used to fall asleep to it. I watch it every time it's on. Sometimes I go out my way just to watch it myself. It's great. And that movie is Moneyball. You know that movie with Brad Pitt where he is like this revolutionary um, manager of a baseball team, gets together a team of like unlikely fabulous players and they do really well. Um, he gets them for the Oakland A's. Oh, that movie. You know, people, when they're tweeting at the minute, they tweet stills from a film and they're like, the way this movie radiates comfort, this movie actually radiates comfort. I am not messing because it's tense in the sense that like, you're like, oh my God, are they going to win this game? But it's like the tension isn't super mad fucking crazy or anything. It's just all ads. Even though it's actually a very good film it's also like an easy watch very comforting Jonah Hill is in it king king Jonah Hill Chris Pratt is in it I don't know how we feel about Chris Pratt at the minute because I know he has some weird allegations against him that have kind of ruined some of his movies for me we'll get on to that um Moneyball I'm oh. like I would go as far as to say it's an unexpectedly comforting film because random, it's a movie about fucking baseball. But it's just so good. And like, yeah, I don't get half the stuff they're saying in it about baseball, but I still love it and will watch it every goddamn time. Brad Pitt is a dilf in it. Just, it's all as I don't know what it is. Like, I think it's quite long as far as I can remember as well. But not crazy not like fucking Avengers Endgame long or anything it's just it genuinely I cannot stress this enough it radiates comfort like yes I will get a little bit tense at different things because they're tense moments but I'm not weeping wondering if someone is going to die have I ever had any interest in baseball before I saw that film fuck no did it increase my interest in baseball for like half an hour after? Did I go look up stuff about it? No, absolutely not. But in the moment, it's fab and I love it. And like, it's the same as like, oh, what is it called in American football in the NFL? Draft day? It's kind of like draft day where like he has to go like swap these players and like haggle with other managers for players for money and like it's this unsuspecting team like very very much an underdog team and 
uh, all of the other managers and stuff that Brad Pitt is working with, they're all way older and they have like just not that their interest in baseball is dead, but they're not really open to like change or new ways of thinking or anything. And then Brad Pitt meets Jonah fucking Hill by accident, who is like all about statistics. And he's like, okay, statistically, blah, 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 blah. If we do this, this and this differently. And if we actually concentrate on these things and get these players that nobody's really thinking about because they're not going to cost us as much money, but they're actually secretly really good. Then we could make an incredible team. And not have to spend loads of fucking money because Brad Pitt needs money to get better players and it's money that's not there. But Jonah Hill is the star of that movie because he revitalizes, rejuvenates the way they think about baseball, the way they think about um getting players and doing different things and like how they play lots. It's it's just such a comforting but really interesting and good watch. I love it, I really, really do. Number three is what I've been falling asleep to the last couple of nights. And like, even though it's not number one, like, yes, I have been watching it recently, but it's still not my number one comfort movie. Um, But it's Guardians of the Galaxy. Y'all guessed it. I was talking about it on my private story the other day. It's f- okay. Let's all admit this now. The Marvel movies are good. They're good. And they are very comforting and very easy to watch. And like, yeah, the snap was stressful and some of them died and blah, blah, blah. But the Marvel films are such an easy watch. I watched WandaVision. I'm currently watching fucking, what's it called? Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I had watched all the other Marvels like previously in the past. All the, did I say the Marvels? I meant to say the Marvel, the Marvel films. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I watched loads of them like in the past when they came out, but I'm re-watching them now because I only watched Infinity War and Endgame very, very recently. So now I'm like going back and watching some of the other ones and being like, oh yeah, that's this and that's when this happened. And oh, that's what the Infinity Stones do and that kind of thing. Still couldn't tell you what the fuck the Tesseract is or what it does. And I've watched them all now. (laughs) But Guardians of the Galaxy... Dare I say it's a better ensemble film than the first, definitely the first Avengers films, film. I don't know about the other ones, but it's, oh my God, like it's so good. One of the core five, one of the fab five literally says three words. He literally just says, I am Groot. And he's probably my favorite character. (laughs) And that's so basic. Like, oh my God, I love Groot. Groot is my favorite character. But I do. Actually, no, I take that back. Rocket is probably my favourite character. Or Drax. He really genuinely makes me laugh. Both of the Guardians of the Galaxy are really good and I couldn't pick which one to put, but I went with the first one. Because the second one is a little bit more tense and kind of less comforting, even though I know what's happened because I've seen it before. I've been falling asleep to it as well. But the first one is just really, really good. And like the first Avengers, when it came out, everyone was like, oh my God, they're all together. And like, it's a great ensemble film. But I think I prefer, at least in comparing like the first Guardians of the Galaxy to the first Avengers, I think I prefer the ensemble in Guardians of the Galaxy. And Chris Pratt. 
he's a controversial one for me, folks. There's weird shit out there about him. I don't know if we can trust him. And I'm raging, but it does kind of put me off when I'm watching it. Um, Is that why it's not higher on the list? I don't know. I would like to say no, because we can't let one actor taint a whole film. But it's there. It's in the back of my mind. And, oh, this is a part of it as well. Since I have now watched Infinity War and Endgame, I kind of hate his character. (laughs) I kind of fucking hate Peter Quill. Because I had seen people um, on TikTok and on Twitter and all say that Peter Quill basically caused Endgame. And he basically caused the snap. And I didn't really get it because I hadn't watched them. And then I watched them and I was like, yeah, he kind of did though. Like, he's he's an idiot. He's a fucking idiot. Oh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of riled up. Now, he definitely is, have to say, like a lovable, fun, um, humorous character as well. But he is a fucking idiot. <laughs> and maybe he just seems like more of an idiot compared to the other Avengers but he's still a moron and it's 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 infuriating sometimes because he does stupid idiotic things that could be avoided I don't know he just kind of riles me up a little bit but enough about fucking Star-Lord Guardians of the Galaxy is just great it's such an easy watch um a little bit tense obviously a little bit tense but I don't think tension in a film should take away from it being a comfort movie because then it, like if your comfort movies are exclusively films with no tension, then it's going to be a really fucking boring list. It's definitely as well. Um, I think a lot of the Marvel films are quite funny, like Ant-Man. I think that's just because it's Paul Rudd and he's quite funny. Um, Like a lot of them have funny moments and I think they rely on that. But Guardians of the Galaxy is probably one of the funniest and I think half of that is down to Drax because he's very funny and he doesn't he doesn't like get sarcasm. Yeah, Drax, I think like he what is it? He doesn't understand sarcasm or something. Like he's really literal. So like he's just really funny. Like in the second one where he's telling what's her name? Mantis? That she's like really ugly and all. It's just great. Like it's really funny. Yeah, I don't know. Like you get it. You've probably seen it. You get it. It's just a great comfort movie. Even though it's obviously stressful with your man. What's his name? Oh, Ronan. But sorry, he's not even the most stressful part of it. The most fucking stressful part of Guardians of the Galaxy is goddamn Nebula. My God. And is it in Infinity War or Endgame as well? Where she like swaps places with the current time nebula because she's the past nebula and she goes back in current time with like all the other avengers and fucks everything up she she stresses me out so fucking much every time she comes on the screen i'm like oh my god go away you're gonna fuck up everything she just stresses me the fuck out and then when she's like father used to make us fight and you won every time and all i wanted was a sister and he replaced parts of me with fucking i don't know metal and robotics shut up nebula literally shut up also, one thing that really irks me, sorry, I know this is supposed to be like a really positive thing about my comfort films, but I have to get this off my chest. One of the things about Guardians of the Galaxy that really irks me, right? All of the Marvel films, they have like incredible CGI, really good makeup. It's like, it all looks fabulous. Nebula? Her 
like her face and everything, it just looks like face paint. It it looks really bad. Like they can literally make Josh Brolin into Thanos and they can make Paul Bettany into Vision in those little suits. And then they put like bad fucking Mr. Price face paint on Karen Gillan for Nebula. I don't know. Like it, it's disappointing because like people's main thing with Marvel films are that like they're 90% CGI and you're just watching a green screen for 90 minutes yeah okay yeah like the effects are deadly and it's a lot of CGI but it's very good but Nebula just I don't know she just looks bad which is a tiny thing and probably arguable as well but I just think she doesn't look great like her makeup and stuff and don't get me wrong it probably took so fucking long but I don't know it's definitely not like the best makeup or CGI or special effects or whatever in the Marvel films even like the metal and stuff on her head. I don't know, it just doesn't look great. But take away, taking like getting away from Nebula because she has her little redeeming moments. Um, It's a great movie. They both are. They both are very good. I think they're some of my favourite films out of like all the Marvel franchise. Another one is Thor Ragnarok. I was watching that last night. Um, I think the Thor films are probably some of the best Marvel ones because they're fucking funny because they're funny I watched them all I even watched Doctor Strange before I watched Endgame and Infinity War and all which I have to say I did not expect it to be that good I thought it was going to be really boring my plan was actually to skip it but I was like nah like I have to watch them in chronological order he's there in fucking Endgame and all he's a big part of it I have to watch it and I ended up actually really liking it I thought it was really good now one that I was properly going to skip because I wasn't fucking arsed was Captain Marvel, the one with Brie Larson. And I saw loads of men on TikTok giving out about it and saying it was shit. And I was like, you literally just don't like this because she's a woman. She is a female lead in a Marvel movie and she's probably the strongest Avenger. That is why you don't like it. But then I watched Captain Marvel and actually it was kind of bad. <laughs> it's just, it's definitely not the best Marvel film, like. And I know some people, like, you know, the way you just have these actors that for some reason you don't like them. And Brie Larson is one for a lot of people. I looked past that because I don't really have an opinion of Brie Larson. Like, I don't really mind her. I think it's the same kind of hate that people give Jennifer Lawrence for just being, like, a funny person in interviews and stuff. They're like, oh, she's trying too hard, blah, blah, blah. Um, I looked past all that. I still watched Captain Marvel. <sighs> like, it was fine. It was fine. Jude Law was in it. But it definitely wasn't the best one. Sorry as well if you can hear buzzing in the background. My mother is mowing the lawn. Hopefully that doesn't fucking come up. But we'll see because I'm not going to stop now. Number two on this list. Um, between number one and number two, lads, it was a tough decision. It was a tough decision. But I've laid it out this way. And I'm going to stick to it. Because I think I, I do think I back this decision to put two at two and one at one. So number two is Kingsman Secret Service. The way, the way that movie radiates comfort for me. You do not understand. The one with like Taryn Egerton. Egerton? Taryn Egerton, I think. And um, Colin Firth, where they're like spies. 
in case you haven't seen it, I presume you all have. Oh, dear God, I love that film. The second one does not live up to it at all. And I do think Samuel L. Jackson is a bit annoying in them because he plays... I I will die on this hill. Samuel L. Jackson plays the exact same character in every single film he's in. Every single film. Like, where's the range? Where's the character traits? Where's the different fucking characters? He's the same in every single movie. And he is the quintessential Samuel L. Jackson character in Kingsman Secret Service. And you know what? It's fine. Like, it's grand. But we'll, we'll just get away from him for now. We'll get away from him for now. That fucking film is so good. And yeah, it is tense. There's some tense moments in there. People die. But dear God, I will watch that film every fucking time it's on. And I don't watch a lot of telly, but if it's on, I'll I'll sit down and I'll watch it. Like, or I'll just fucking switch on Netflix or whatever. Second one isn't as good. Second one, who's in it? Channing Tatum. Is Matthew McConaughey in it? And there's like cowboys. But the first one is OG. It's so fucking good. Is it, do they work for like MI5 or MI6 or something? Well, anyway, they're like secret agents. And Taryn Egerton, um, I think that's how you say his name, is like kind of a scanger and um, a, bit, a bit rough like. And they like pick him up off the streets because they see talent in him. He does a bit of parkour at the beginning and it's really good. And so he has to go through all this vigorous training um, to become a Kingsman. And it's just, lads, it's just so good. I can't explain it too much. I don't want to explain any of these too much, even though I've definitely already fucking said spoilers. Just in case you haven't seen them and you want to go watch them. Even though I would say that these films are like common enough and a lot of people have seen them. I just want to scream. This film is so good. I don't really have much else to say about it, to be honest. Colin Firth, Jesus, that man. That fucking man. He is so attractive. It does not matter what, you know what? It does because he gets better with age. He ages like a fine wine. Whereas other white people age like milk. He, lads. Because, dare I say, him in Kingsman Secret Service looks better than like him in Pride and Prejudice. He actually looks a little bit better with a few years on him. Dear God, I adore him. And not just his looks. I've watched him in interviews. I've watched him in interviews for this movie with the other cast because they love him. I love him. He's such a dope, lads. He's such a fucking dope. And he is also in number one. He is in the number one movie. And dear God, he is such a lovable character in it. My number one comfort film is going to be a comfort film for a lot of you as well it's always on a christmas even though it's not technically a christmas film you fucking guessed it love actually the iconic probably one of the most comfort movies of comfort movies it's the most comforting oh lads i'm trying not to get riled up and like why am i getting riled up about such like an easygoing comfort film Dear God, it's just, 
I've said it before and I'll say it again, the way that film radiates comfort. The cast, the cast, I don't even have to go there. Oh my God. It's so comforting and it's so lovely, but it's also so heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching. My God, do I ball. Do I sob every single time I watch it when Emma Thompson finds out that Alan Rickman is cheating on her. When she finds the necklace and then she opens her present and it's the CD. And she's in the room by herself and she's like putting herself back together for the sake of her kids. Oh, lads. She deserved a fucking Oscar for that. She did. I'm going to say it. I'm going to put it out there. It makes me sob. And like you're not supposed, obviously you're not supposed to like sob at your comfort. Well, maybe you are. Maybe you are. Comfort films are different for everyone. Um, And even though it definitely like brings me a sense of comfort and like love and peace and tranquility, I still sob at it. I cry at a lot of it, to be honest, for good and bad reasons, positive and negative. But that fucking scene, Jesus Christ, that woman that played um, your one that Alan Rickman was having the affair in it, within it, when she was like trying to seduce him or whatever. Oh, I'd say she was one of the most hated women in Britain when that film came out. In the world. Dear God. And then like a little bit, like a little tiny teensy weetsy parts of me cringe when your man from The Walking Dead is there at the door with like the signs, tell him it's carol singers. Actually, no, 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 no. The more cringy bit with him is when Keira Knightley is like watching her video, her wedding video that he took. Then she goes, it's me, it's all me or something like that. That, even though I'm like, oh, he's so in love with her. Um, it does make me cringe a tiny little bit because she didn't marry him, she married someone else. She doesn't even end up with him in the end. But like, also, even though it's trying to be cringe, bit heartbreaking, bit heartbreaking. Because she thinks that he hates her. But in reality, he loves her. Also, 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 Liam Neeson and Thomas Brody Sangster, as in the father and son duo, who, and your man and his um, his wife is after passing away. And then we figure out, oh my God, whoa, Emma Thompson is his sister, crazy, because she goes over to the house to talk to him. And make sure he's okay because, you know, his wife is dead. Oh, lads. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that Love Actually was filmed only a short while after Liam Neeson's wife had died in real life. Lads. Lads. So sad. It's so sad. And he's like crying because he misses his wife. And then I think his son asks him um, if he'd ever, like, I don't know, marry someone else or whatever. And um, he goes, oh, maybe Claudia Schiffer, joking. And then Claudia Schiffer meets him in the airport. Oh, and obviously the most iconic, iconic scene of Thomas Brody Sangster running through the airport to tell that girl that he likes her. But, oh my God, I think my favourite couple in it is Hugh Grant and like his like assistant woman, your one that was in EastEnders. And then um, they go to the school play together and the curtain lifts and they're kissing and they're all going to the school play and they're all meeting up and you realise how they're all um, attached. 
that movie. That movie. Oh, lads, I could cry right now talking about it. I could cry just thinking about you. That's a Troye Sivan song. It's it's just one of the best films ever, 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 ever. I love an ensemble film like that where there's loads of big names in it, like loads of different really well-known actors. And it's all like loads of different individual stories. But then you find out that like some of them are related and some of them know each other. And like they all come together. I fucking love a film like that. Another one like that, the only one that's springing to my mind right now is Valentine's Day. That is not that good. Not that great. It's whatever. It's fine. But Love Actually is the OG. And if that's not in your top 10 comfort films, what the fuck are you doing? Go watch it now and come back to me. It's it's just so lovely. It's on every single Christmas, even though it's not really a Christmas film. It's just set at Christmas, but like it doesn't revolve around the fact that it's at Christmas. It's just fab. Makes me laugh, makes me cry, makes me smile. It's it's a roller coaster of emotions, and that's what every good film should be. Well, not really, but it's just so good. It brings me joy. It brings me peace. It brings me like tranquility to my heart. But at the end of it, I'm still like Alan Rickman cheated on Emma Thompson. And like the worst part is okay, definitely not the worst part. The worst part is that he cheated on her, but. One of the horrible things is that he is a nice character in it. He's not like an arsehole, even though he's obviously an arsehole for cheating on his wife. But overall, he's not like an arsehole person. And I think that makes it 20 times worse because if he was an arsehole, it'd be so much easier to be mad at him. But he's actually like nice. And that scene, I will say, that iconic scene where he's going to buy the necklace and Rowan Atkinson is like wrapping it up and he's like putting all the fancy shit in the bag. That's supposed to be funny, but I don't like that scene. It's too long. It's too dragged out. Um, I'm tense watching it, even though I know what happens. I just, I don't like that film. I don't like that scene. I think it's too dragged out, which is what it's supposed to be. That's the purpose. But I'm still like, oh, get it over with, Mr. Bean. Come on. But yeah, that is my number one comfort fucking film. And it might not be like, what I'm falling asleep to right now but overall of every single film I've watched nothing brings me like nostalgia and comfort like love actually does okay guys I won't bore ye any longer I know this wasn't like the most articulate or well I don't know thought out or well-spoken podcast or whatever but I just wanted to talk about my top 10 comfort films (laughs) I just want to talk about movies and I just wanted to talk in general, full fucking stop. Who's surprised? Not me. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed. I hope, I don't know, I hope this made you laugh because this wasn't a very serious time. I might do like a serious-ish one next or something. But to be honest, I just wanted to have a laugh and a chat for this one. I just wanted, ladies, dare I say, to have a kiki. To have a kiki. And that's what we did. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you laughed. I hope you cried. Um, not really, but this has been Kiki with Kiki. Thank you for listening, and I will see you when I feel well. I you'll I'll I'll hear you. You'll hear me. I don't know. I'll see you when I decide to post again. Goodbye. Good luck, and fuck yeah. <laughs>